Hello, Keith. Hi, Jeff. Alrighty, so whoever wins this year's gubernatorial race is going to inherit a hugely daunting state budget deficit projected to be in the billions of dollars. But that's not really something new. Give us a little bit of the history of the unwanted present that one of these uh, people will eventually inherit and how it got to be that way. I was just going to say, I think I've heard this song before. It's been playing a lot on the radio. Like you said, whoever wins this gubernatorial election will inherit a big problem. State finances, unless adjusted, will run about $2 billion or 10% in the red in the first year after the election. The problem grows to $2.6 billion or 12% in the second. That is... I won't say mild. That's not even the largest post-election deficit we've been talking about, say, in the last 10 years. When Governor Malloy won in 2010, he inherited a $3.7 billion hole in the first year alone. That was almost one-fifth of the entire budget. When Governor Malloy won re-election in 2014, He insisted repeatedly there's not going to be a deficit after the election, even though state analysts said, nonpartisan analysts said, you've got holes the first two years after the election approaching anywhere from 1.4 to 1.6 billion. We know how that turned out. The first three years of the governor's second term, state finances finished in the red. Governor Rell was accused of sitting on the largest pile of red ink in history. We talked about that. That was the mess that Governor Malloy inherited. Mm. Um, What a lot of people don't remember is that as early as February 2009, Connecticut was in recession. Governor Rell still hadn't decided yet that she wasn't going to run for re-election in 2010. She proposed uh, a two-year plan to close that deficit and... Her plan addressed a $6 billion problem, $6 billion spread over two years. The only problem was the real shortfall was closer to $9 billion. So these are deficits that are, that are nothing new, but we hear a lot about them now in the political cycle in terms of uh, this gubernatorial candidate or that gubernatorial candidate is going to address the problem and fix the problem. Is that sort of promise realistic? I think in most cases what's really going to throw people is you're going to hear – generalities. You're not going to hear specifics. Candidates don't produce fiscal notes. They may talk about a problem in billions of dollars with a soundbite about a spending cut that might save you $10 million against a multi-billion dollar problem. But if you don't actually use the numbers, if I just say, well, I'm inheriting a huge problem, and I'm going to do a statewide hiring freeze. That sounds great until you realize the hiring freeze solves one-tenth of one percent of the whole problem. That is what's become sort of standard operating procedure. Do you think that the gubernatorial candidates who we're hearing from now on both sides of the aisle really have grasped what the governor's administration, I I believe, has called the sense of permanent fiscal crisis that we're now in? Or are we we still going to be working with the narrative that this is, a, this is a problem that in the short term is fixable. Well, let me give you one example. All of the candidates that I've interviewed for governor across both parties as well as unaffiliated have said that they're going to call for concessions from unionized state employees. The chances of them getting concessions are nil. The reason not being the fact that Unions have reopened the contract already four times in the last nine years. 
The reason is because the last concessions deal has a four-year no layoff clause. That deal goes back to 2017, meaning for the first two years of the next gubernatorial term, the new governor does not have the power to order layoffs. So what is the governor's leverage to even bring the unions to the table? I mean, you can always call and ask, may I please have concessions? And they can say, no, thank you. But that is a key part of every candidate's solution. And it's politically, legally not even feasible. Keith Faniff is a reporter for the Connecticut Mirror and has the pleasure or burden of explaining state budget issues to the uninformed masses, of which I am a member, obviously. Thanks for joining us, Keith. Glad to spread the pain.